Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Jesus, name above all names, I worship you. Jesus, you're worthy to be praised, I worship you. Hey everybody, I'm Andy Baylock. And I'm Jordan Pine. Welcome to another episode of 20 Minute Bible Studies. Today, we get to talk about one of my favorite topics, so-called Bible contradictions. Of course, they're never really contradictions. Yeah, people love to take the Bible out of context and quote single verses that appear at first to be contradictory. But when you take the time to properly examine such verses, the contradictions disappear. In today's lesson, we're going to look at whether Christians should judge others. Let's begin by listening to the Word of God. Two readings. The first, from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans. But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or stumbling block in a brother's way. That was Romans chapter 4, verses 10 to 13. And now a second reading from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? Do you not know that we will judge the angels? How much more matters this life? That was 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. So we selected two passages from the Apostle Paul to highlight this alleged contradiction. But we could just have easily quoted of our Lord and Savior who said in Matthew chapter 7, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Or we could look at Luke chapter 6, and it records it like this. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. Jesus also said in John seven twenty four. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Yeah, so what gives, you might ask? Jesus and Paul say not to judge very clearly, as you just read, Andy, but then also that we should judge, judge with righteous judgment, and etc. In case you were wondering, and this is always uh, a good idea, this is not a problem with the Greek into English translation. You know, we often see mistranslations or difficulties there. But no, in this case, the Greek word is the same in every case. It's krinol. And, uh, you know, so that raises the question, how can we make sense of these competing claims? Well, like always, Jordan, let's try our favorite tool in today's study. We're going to use the space method. 
So for some of you who are new to the show, the word space here is just an acronym that reminds us to consider who the SP or speaker are, A, audience, and C, context of a Bible reading before attempting an E, explanation. We already established the speaker is Paul, and we could tell from the scripture references that the audience is members of the church at Rome and at Corinth. No help there because Paul was clearly speaking to Christians in both cases, and there is no indication that the Romans were less than the Corinthians. Yeah, in fact, the Corinthians were the problem children, if you were, as Paul rebukes them quite a bit in the letters that he wrote to them. The Romans did not receive such rebukes. Um, That's probably because the church was led by two heroes from the book of Acts, Aquila and Priscilla. So perhaps the sea in space, the context, can give us a clue? Let's go back and look at the verses before our scripture reading, Andy. Okay, so I'm going to go to Romans 14 and pick up verse 1. Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat, and the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who eats not, for the Lord he does not eat, and still gives thanks to God. And I added the word still there. But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you, again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. And I jump down now to verse 13. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put in an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. Going to verse 20. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. Yeah, just one aside here, you know, this, this um, highlights, if, you were, if we were to do a space method analysis on that passage, Andy, what we would notice with regard to the audience and the context is that th- this uh, highlights a common problem in the early church, because don't forget, all of the original uh, Christians, followers of Christ, including Christ himself, were Jews, and when the churches were founded, they were usually founded in old synagogues or among Jews. And then we started to see Paul being the apostle to the, to the Gentiles, bringing together or bringing into the church um, Gentile believers. So they had all these issues around, you know, the customs and practices of the Jews and the, the customs and practices that the Gentiles didn't follow. Don't forget that the Gentiles were considered, you know, um, there was a cer- certain sort of elitism because, you know, they, they ate unclean foods and food sacrificed to idols, and they came from a pagan culture. So what you see here is this clash of cultures. Yeah, so what it makes me think of, and, and I'm saying this honestly, you know, with pureness in heart, is that the Gentiles at the time were kind of like liberals, right? They can do anything they wanted, right? right. And They're they didn't liberal, think right. about okay. what's right, what's wrong, whereas the Jews at the time had 
dietary restrictions. Very and they did that. They were conservative about right. it, and they did that to honor God. So again, what I want our listeners to understand is that Romans chapter 14 is not about dietary restrictions. God is using through Paul food because that was a subject of the day right? to show that we should not judge when we should or should not. Whereas today it might be, well, you know, I'm a conservative Baptist and maybe you are a, from, you know, you go to a, a charismatic church and you worship God that way. You know, even though we might come from two sides of the spectrum, it doesn't mean we should judge each other. Right. So I just wanted our listeners to understand that, you know, when we talk about not judging, don't take it so literal, you know, and, and let's not be narrow-minded and think that it, this is just about food. And that's right. all really God is trying to tell us is be careful right. with your food and don't judge people over food. No, no. Food was a big thing. You know, eating was a big deal back then. Right. You know? So today, what's the big deal to Christians? It's, well, what church do you go to? What denomination are you? Do you believe you could lose your salvation? Do you believe you could, you know, you, that, it's, that it's safe, that, that, that you, you know, what have you? So, you know, these are things that are, you know, the, the object of our conversations today. So I just wanted to make that comparison when we're speaking of, you know, quote unquote, judging each other. No, it's critical because people will go back into the Bible and not understand the context, the cultural context, and they'll take these things out and try to apply them to today, mm. you know? But the whole point is legalism in the church, right? Whatever it is, it could be anything. It could be something stupid, like what color shirt you wear. Right. Who knows in the future what it'll be that, that churches will get all wrapped around the axle about, and you're missing the spirit of, of what Paul is saying here. It's not about what we should eat or whether women should wear head coverings or whatever is going on at that time. It's really about the legalism. Yes, God will be the judge of that. So anyway, um, you know, what I wanted to pull out of that is that in both the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus says not to judge, in this passage, the topic is one who judges unrighteously and from the flesh, right? In the first case, the judge is a hypocrite, right? Jesus says in Matthew 7, why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. In the second case, the judge is haughty and prideful. You know, the one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat, Paul writes. Who are you to judge the servant of another? You know, that's key. Now let's contrast this with our other scripture reading, which is from 1 Corinthians 6. Again, going back to verse 1. Does any one of you, when he has a case against his neighbor, dare to go to the law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more matters of this life? Verse 4. So if you have law courts dealing with matters of this life, do you appoint them as judges who are of no account in the church? I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not among you one wise man who will be able to decide between his brethren, but brother goes to the law or law with brother, and that before unbelievers? Actually, then, it is already a defeat for you that you have lawsuits with one another. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? On the contrary, you yourselves wrong and defraud. You do this even to your brethren. I just want to point out really quick before you comment, Andy, that this is why we said earlier that the, the church at Corinth was by no means 
uh, greater than the church in, uh, at Rome, because you can see, again, here a rebuke from the Apostle Paul to that church. Yeah, that's a very good point. So the key to understanding this passage in verse 5, Jordan, a few points I'd like to mention. I say this to your shame, Paul writes. There isn't among you one wise man who will be able to decide between his brethren. Another point. So in telling them, they should be able to judge such trivial matters, I would think. He shames them, we see here, by saying that none are, in fact, able to do so, right? So he's calling them out. Again, he's calling out these little points, but the topic here is judgment, okay? In these two passages from Paul, he echoes the contrast Jesus drew in that one line, and again, going back to John 7, 24, which says, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Righteous judgment, which means no motive from the heart looking at the facts. You know, a great example of, of judging by appearance is what Paul called tearing the quote-unquote down the work of God for the sake of food. Or, in other words, judging a weaker brother for not eating certain things that we are free to eat in Christ, right? So, I guess an example of that is, you know, back then, if it, even till today, Jews, you know, during Passover eat matzah. They won't eat leavened bread. Whereas Christians, we do. You know, we're okay with that. Well, what's interesting about that particular passage, Andy, is that a lot of times in the, in the epistles, you will see the reverse happening, where, I guess, again, going back to the early church, um, you know, eating food sacrificed to idols or pork, I imagine, would have been very controversial because Jews didn't do that and the Gentiles did. Right. Don't push but, them away. Right. But here we see kind of the inverse of that because he's talking about someone who feels freedom in Christ now understands that, we're, that they were free from the law and eats, eats whatever he wants. And that um, then looking down on someone who still follows the old conservative traditions and doesn't eat meat sacrificed. So, like the, revert, the reverse discrimination in that sense. So that's really what this, this passage today is about. No, that's a great point. And you know, the common denominator to both of those points is don't judge. Right. Bottom line, don't judge. Leave it to God. Believe me, God knows everything, every thought of man, whether good, bad, evil. He knows the motive behind those thoughts. He will be the judge. So, you know, judging with righteous judgment, on the other hand, would be to settle basic legal matters within the church and not take a brother to court. Now, we're not saying, you know, hey, the next time somebody runs you off the road and, you know, you end up in a fender bender or something like that and you get summoned to court that you say, no, you know, I, I heard about this, this topic on 20-minute Bible studies and Andy and Jordan told us we should not be going to court because there might be somebody, the judge or maybe the jury is, is not a Christian. No, because if you're living in the law of the land, you abide to those laws, right? Right. But when we're talking about, you know, matters in, in your family or, or matters that go on, especially inside the church, try to keep it within the family of, of believers because you're probably going to, you're absolutely going to get a much better shake at, at what the response should be and, and what the actual um, result should be on how to judge. Because when you get a non-believer to judge, they're going to take it out of context, and they might give us bad advice or make a bad decision. Yeah, I think the bottom line is that we're told not to judge as the world judges, you know, based on technicalities and hypocrisy. These are the small matters, legal matters I think he was talking about, things that you should be able to resolve within the body that they were taking to outside courts. You know, we, we should aspire to judge righteously as God would judge. That's, that's a key point, really. What kind of judgment is, is, is condoned by the Bible? Judging as God would judge. What kind of judgment is condemned by the Bible? 
judging out of hypocrisy, out of hidden motives, superiority, elitism, all the things that we've been talking about, right? So what, what I think the Apostle Paul was saying, we have to recognize that this is our higher calling, to judge as God would judge, to act as judges in God's stead, because, you know, we have God within us. You know, and, and we see in both cases that, um, that this is aspirational. And in the case of the Corinthians, Paul was actually using that aspiration to sort of shame them, you know? To sort of make them to make them realize that they, they, you know he says it right don't you know we, we we judge the world we're gonna judge angels and yet you guys can't even resolve a little tiny dispute and you're going to outside courts to the world to settle right. your disputes sure so there you go Con, you know contradiction resolved yeah you know Jordan and we like to go deeper of course and we should remember that we should never neglect the kingdom truths contained within these passages like it says in Hebrews you know don't neglect that great salvation one day. And for those of you who, who might not know or are new to the show, the kingdom truths are basically the, the keys that we learn through Scripture that will get us to the higher level with God. And it's pretty cut and dry. We're all going to be judged, all Christians, that is, at the Bema seat or the judgment seat of Christ. And you could read about that a little bit in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 to 15, which speaks of that. Both Jesus and Paul remind us that judgment is coming, and neither is talking about the lake of fire judgment. Jesus was teaching his disciples in Matthew chapter 7, and Paul was writing to people who were already saved. Neither was at risk of going to hell. No, the judgment they speak of is the judgment of believers, which I mentioned, and it applies that believers can fall short of the standards being set here. Paul's concern here, Paul's rebuke, Paul's statement, is specifically for people who are already saved, the church at Rome, the church at Corinth, telling them, don't judge, because this is one of many things that could lead us outside the kingdom. We could lose our inheritance. We right. could lose our reward, which is waiting for us if we could just abide in God's word and live righteously. And one of the key points of living righteously is judge righteously. Don't do it with motive. So to quote him, Romans 14, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. He reminds us that. And also, each one of us will give an account of himself to God. And right after the passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we read him writing, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Right. Key points. You know, second, Paul gives us a glimpse of yet another privilege of those who overcome the world and receive reward at the judgment seat. And this is the deeper kingdom level again, Andy, that we were talking about. In addition to ruling and reigning with Christ, or co-heirship with him, a topic that Paul covered back in Romans 8, Paul reveals that those who achieve the status of rulers will also be judges, as I mentioned earlier, judges of the world and also judges of even angels. Of course, we won't achieve that level if we ourselves are judged as unworthy. So you won't be a judge if you are judged and you're judged unworthy. If our works are burned up because they are equivalent to wood, hay, or straw— as Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 3, which you mentioned earlier, instead of gold, silver, or precious stones, if we prove to be hypocrites who ignore the logs in our own eye while pouring out the speck in our brother's eye, and if we're so incompetent at judging minor disputes that we have to let the world, via the courts, do our judging instead of having the willingness to suffer being wronged or defrauded for the sake of the kingdom, then, then we are basically falling short. And to reiterate for everyone, we're not saying don't abide under the law of the land. 
that that's something we must do, and that's according to Scripture as well. No, what we're trying to tell you is that according to Scripture, 99% of the time, it's probably better to just be willing to suffer and be willing to be wronged. It's okay, because God is keeping the books. I know it's really tough and difficult because our society teaches the opposite. You know, what's fair is fair, and we should go to court and let the court, you know, rule on this, and I'm going to sue you, and so on and so forth. You know, without getting into it, I'll just, you know, a little side thing. So we had something in our family happen, and, you know, my, it was actually my wife, Jennifer. She was actually attacked, believe it or not. And, you know, it, it, was, it was just out of the blue. And in the moment, in the heat of passion, you know, we wanted to, you know, sue these people. And, you know, I even, I even went as far as saying, you know what, every penny that we collect, you know, we're going to use that so that people could, you know, be more aware of their surroundings. There could be, you know, more safety measures, more precautions. And then you know, whatever's left over, we'll donate to ministry and so on and so forth. But then as time went on and we realized that we would have to rehash and relive that moment over and over and over again, God just led us to realize it's better to just be, it's okay to be wronged. It's okay because look, we made it through. Even though our pride might be hurt, the Lord Jesus Christ protected us. He brings us through it. And God is going to be the judge of everything. So for the sake of the kingdom, sometimes it's okay to be wronged or be defrauded. Yeah, that's a great point. And uh, one thing I thought of too, Andy, when reading that, since we're on the topic, is, you know, I, I don't know about anyone out there, but when I read about the fact that we need to suffer for our faith, like for example, if we want to be co-heirs, we talked about this many times, we need to suffer with Christ. And it's really hard, at least in America, you know, um, you know in the great country that we live in, to think about like what suffering for Christ really means, because, you know, it isn't like back then. The, don't forget, these early Christians were were tortured by the Roman Empire. They were thrown to lions. They, they faced death and perils, and Paul goes through all of them in, in his accounts. You know, what do we face today? And then, so, so you kind of almost, not that you want bad things to happen to you, but when they do, and you, and you have to suffer a little, it's better, almost better to suffer, because you know that that's what, what you were promised, and that's what, and what the promises are for those who endure suffering. Righteous suffering, of course. So I think that's what Paul is driving at, right? Anyway, uh, I, I think that that's great, Andy. Thank you for sharing that. And that's that's really what those with spiritual ears and wisdom need to hear in the passage that we read today. And that is our lesson. Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple and to the Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show. I'm Steve Zioli. Until next time, may the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Mysteries of the Kingdom Incorporated.